Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Chamber Breakers, presented by Verizon Business and Yahoo Finance. I'm Leanna Brindis, head of Yahoo Finance UK. And I'm Xavier White, CSR and Innovation Marketing Manager at Verizon Business. During this series, Leanna and I will be inviting thought leaders to break the echo chamber surrounding key social challenges. This season, we're focused on CSR at a time of global crisis and the impact it's having on mental health. This week, we're excited to welcome Kieran Medcalf, who has worked as head of trans inclusion at Stonewall, is a trans youth worker at the youth group Gendered Intelligence, and an LGBT advocate. Kieran will talk to us about LGBT and specifically trans people and the issues that they face at this time of global crisis. We know that LGBT people, especially trans people, have poorer mental health outcomes. This is something that we've seen in lots and lots of different studies. And we can definitely see that it is being exacerbated by um, the current lockdown and coronavirus that we're in. I think it's also really important to say that sometimes people will try and use this to kind of say that, well, this proves that trans people are mentally unwell. What it's actually proving is being trans isn't the cause of why people have poor mental health outcomes. It is the way transphobia and people react to people being trans which causes that and the things that are causing this trauma are definitely being exacerbated by lockdown so for example being in unsafe environments at home um, such as with um, family members who maybe are not accepting of people who of their identity um, misgendering not allowing them to express who they are um, trans people we know are at higher risks of domestic abuse so that is also something that is going to be being exacerbated by being at home constantly all the time, Um, isolated from your chosen family and friends, all of these things are coming together. And from what I've heard and from what I've experienced myself, that the kind of lockdown situation is is making me think of a time where this was kind of also my life as a teenager. I didn't go out places, I didn't have friends, I was constantly at home and isolated. And that is due to the kind of transphobia and bullying I experienced as a young person. Um, And I'm pretty sure that is true for a lot of other people. And this isn't just down to individual acts from people who are hateful. We have to think about this as systemic. So it is a systemic problem that is causing um, this trauma to trans communities. And it cannot be separated from other violences to other aspects of identity. The gender binary is a colonial export. The idea that the Western idea that there is female and male and that can be determined at birth by someone's genitals and that then those people have to live in certain ways be heterosexual present their gender in a certain way that is not a universal truth um, and it is something that has been exported across the world to great detriment to communities everywhere Um, and it's not just affecting trans people we can look at how um, sporting people such as Castor was treated she was um, seen as being too masculine the wrong type of uh, amount of testosterone in her body though that is naturally occurring for her and that cannot be isolated from the fact that she is also a black woman and that she is a lesbian woman because all of those things are part of that gender binary of what you can be and what you can't be which centers cis white 
heterosexuality. Um, and we can see this going back further and further. Um, look at who is murdered each year. When we read out on Trans Day of Remembrance, who has been killed? We are, it's the people who are at the transaction of transphobia, misogyny, racism, and anti-sex work ideology that are the most harmed. And hearing of that trauma is also re-traumatizing other trans people. So it is not just those directly harmed. The way hate works is that it harms equally those who have heard about it, those who have witnessed it, who share the same characteristic, and those who have been directly impacted. You've got to start removing what is causing this trauma to people before we can even think about healing. And it will take years and years till we may never see it in our lifetime, even if we manage to get rid of all of those things that are harming people today, because it is it's a very particular form of, I'd say kind of like post-traumatic stress disorder. But I think that all trans people have been touched with at some point in their life from being kind of gaslit over who they are. People saying, no, you're not a boy because of this. You're not a girl because of this. Oh, non-binary people don't exist. And that is what is causing all this mental harm. Um, you can also think of that how it is constant. It, like, look at what is going on in the world today. You'd think people would have something more important and interesting to talk about this last week than why trans people aren't trans people but yet we see figures like jk rowling who has huge following huge influence deciding to rather than talk about all of the kind of violence and cruelty we have seen towards people being highlighted this last week what she talks about is how trans men and trans masculine people shouldn't be included in conversations around menstruation and um, that kind of gynecological health and that's what she chose to use her time to do to attack a very small minority with all that power in a time when all of that power could be used to good and for that to have become normalised, it's becoming a really scary situation for people. To be trans is to be traumatised in some way at this moment in time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you, Karen. It's a harrowing reality, but really important that we have this space. And we're fortunate to have this platform to help raise voices to educate. And we're so grateful for you sharing your story, your experience, and your expertise. We'd love to ask you some questions to help explore this topic further. I wanted to quickly ask you, so as someone that uses both he and they pronouns, how important is language when it comes to the LGBT community, specifically to trans people? And how can a lack of education on this affect mental health? So I think language can be really important for naming systemic harms and for ways of finding other people. Um, who are experiencing the same experiences as you. I do also think that when we start making 
really like being too focused on specific words it can actually become harmful because as soon as you start saying well this means this you've drawn a border and then suddenly you have to start policing those borders that you've created within your own mind and that is where I think we see a lot of kind of harm coming from people saying well you can't be this because the definition of this is this and I think we've got to be as the LGBT community really sensitive around how we allow for fluidity I think it is also really important, though, that um, cis people um, are led by trans people around the language to be being used. Um, so I think it's really important if someone says, oh, my pronouns are this, that you use them because otherwise you're actually trying to say to that person, I know you better than what you know yourself. And the way that I want to refer to you overrules your, your own boundaries you've set up for yourselves of how you're OK to be referred to. So I think it's a, a balancing act of listening, letting the people who it is impacting speak, while also not becoming too draconian around what those words mean and how we must stick to them and the right way to be trans and the right way to do gender, because that doesn't help anyone. You made a very poignant remark that uh, trans people basically have to forever live through a trauma. And so obviously when it comes to changing the systems, a system is made up of lots of systems, and one of those systems is the workplace. And um, I would ask, how can businesses who, let's say some people on this podcast right now listening in, how can they start to bring pockets of or systemic psychological safety to trans employees? I'd first say first start listening to your trans employees. They know what they need. Listen to them and enact it and have a look at the structures that are there. Is it that all of your the trans employees are on your lowest level with your lowest levels of pay? Who's on your board? Who are your CEOs? Who are your senior managers? And look at that so that it has to be the pe trans people involved and in a meaningful way and in a diverse way. It's not enough just to have one trans person who is the token trans person who you trot out for everything. It has to be throughout and that can take a lot of time and it might mean rethinking the way that we do things. So when you say, well, with, with this job, we just take whoever's the best person, but then think about how trans people may have been excluded from other jobs, so won't have the experience, may have not had other opportunities, um, maybe aren't able to provide references because their bar, past boss is really transphobic to them, and have a look at these things and think, actually, so it may always be that because of the advantage that being cis gives people, that they'll always look a little bit better on paper and actually being like, what can we do to take chances on people who maybe haven't had these opportunities before and do it in a meaningful way and to have progression for them and to give those opportunities and support them and also see being trans as in some way specific knowledge. If that person has experience of being trans themselves and working on some specific trans issues, they're going to have knowledge that no other person is going to be able to bring and that deserves to be compensated and seen as knowledge that is useful to a company in and of itself. So I have a, a quick follow-up question on that. What can companies do to attract that trans talent in the first place? Because a lot of companies will write job descriptions perhaps by saying this person, he or she will have X, Y, Z. And that in and of itself can create a barrier. So what are your suggestions that companies can do to actually get trans people to apply in the first place where then it follows on to what you were just saying? So I think what they have to do in the first place is they do need to make sure that they are ready and sorted out for trans people to start working there 
And that's thinking around things like, do you have a good trans inclusion policy? What is your policy around toilets? What is your policy around changing rooms? What policies do you have up on your website? How outspoken are you on social media about trans issues? Because there's no point getting loads of trans people in and then going, oh, gosh, we don't know what to do with these people. And then actually we're going to really harm them because we're not set up for it. So it's making sure that everything is in place and then getting that word out into the community. And trans people really often do go on word of mouth. So if they have a good experience with one person, they'll be like, oh, OK. And then you'll see more people coming through. But as you kind of said, uh, Xavier, that there's some ideas around gender neutral language, like using they rather than he or she, because then that's saying, oh, they can only be a he or she. Um, and having it up on your website, being front facing, being bold and being willing to stand for something, because a lot of times companies will be happy to do it in wishy-washy ways, um, but then it won't have impact. So, for example, there are some banks who trans people absolutely hate because they know that they cannot change their titles with them easily, that they experience transphobia, but that sometimes the banks won't let them take their money out because they're saying, oh, no, we think this is identity fraud because they're just not set up for trans people. Does that then that company then spending a lot on a float at pride help no it just makes people dislike them more because it seems disingenuous so it's about making sure that it's authentic and not just something that is there to look good it is something that is actually entrenched in there to support trans people and that's when trans people will start coming and once you start making those accessible and showing that you're a safe environment you'll be surprised at probably how many trans people are possibly already working for you and then we'll be able to feel safe to say those things. It's a really good point you bring up um, about that kind of virtue signaling, right? And um, so one of the things that would be really great to um, have advice on companies on um, is when it comes to, again, the importance of language being generally inclusive and doing it in the right way. Um, one of the, I would say, even baby steps for some corporates is that they have been um you know encouraging people to put their pronouns in emails now is that a positive step or in a way is that kind of problematic in itself i think that's overall a really positive step because trans people often have to put their pronouns in their emails regardless of whether it's company policy or not if you don't want to be constantly getting misgendered and for my experience, even having your um, pronouns in your email does not do enough to stop you getting misgendered. Like, I would be like, have like the fact that my job was trans specific, have my pronouns in it, and people would still be replying pretty consistently misgendering me. So if that burden is only put on the trans person, it kind of also already outs them if by having that in there, if no one else has it. So I think it's a really good way of showing that just because someone's pronouns in the bio doesn't mean they're trans specifically, but it's just a guide for you to help and understand. And I think that this can then also help with, um, with for making it more accessible for people who have disabilities. Like if you are maybe on the autistic spectrum like myself, it can be harder to know how to address people and what tone. So if you're getting little prompts in the email signature, like this is how this person likes to be spoken to and how to address this person, that helps also helps people who maybe have names from different cultures that we're not that familiar with but you can look at that and go that name I don't know whether that is a, uh, a name that's gender neutral or a, a female coded name a male coded name and it can just be there as that little prompt of this is how this person wants you to refer to him it doesn't actually necessarily mean anything about the gender like you can be a, a, a lesbian who uses he him pronouns you can be 
a cis man who uses they them pronouns pronouns don't equal gender it is just a guide for how to refer to people so i think that is a really positive first step for people to start taking thanks that's a, a really useful tip and i i'm sure many people now after hearing this will add their pronouns to their email signature i know that i certainly will um you mentioned a little bit about the pride debate so for those that don't know there's a lot of controversy around pride the pros and cons of companies being there is it a space for companies is, as was mentioned, just putting a big float in Pride and not actually doing anything to help the LGBT community, just virtue signaling and going to annoy people more. I was wondering, what do you think businesses could do? So perhaps go for social responsibility departments, reaching out into the wider community or any kind of business outreach. What could strict should businesses be doing to show that they support the LGBT community and trans people, and particularly at this time? I think it's really important to look local there will be loads of local organisations near you and they're often the ones at grassroots, on the ground, doing stuff directly with people in your community. There are other organisations that are maybe bigger, but they are probably getting quite a bit of money and it maybe isn't going directly to communities there. So it's kind of choosing a specific place that you want to help that you think is worth helping in your area and giving money to that and giving support in a way that isn't centering you and trying to make yourself look really good so that then you can get a tick box when you try and do your diversity and equality kind of like look back at the end of the year and say, oh, we did this, aren't we great? It's actually about solidly being there and showing up without expectation of getting any recognition for it. And what you can get from that is that you are helping your local community and eventually that is going, you'll have a good name within that community. Good things will come for you from that, but that shouldn't be the purpose. That should just be a, a happy byproduct. Yeah, I think you make some some really interesting points. And I think it's it's very important what you said about local organisations. One thing I found particularly interesting right now with Verizon CSR, in the UK, we've been picking up requests that small charities have been putting into emergency response networks and other corporations can look for similar things and pick those requests up. You need the small community organisation to tell you what it is that they need for you to help them properly, authentically, and in a sincere way that will progress them. Yeah, there's absolutely some things that I, I, I want to pick up on this as well, and especially when it comes to, obviously, the safety. Uh, Kieran, have you said in your um, talk that the issues were here way before coronavirus uh, pandemic, and obviously being in lockdown, being isolated has exacerbated or doubled down on those you know traumatic experiences. So even when this lockdown lifts, there's still going to be issues. So really looking at at home right now for those who are isolated, what are uh, safety techniques that uh, people can enact for themselves, but also at the same time, if someone's listening right now and really does want to make a change within the community digitally or via phone or something to help those who are isolated, what would be your, uh, I suppose, key first steps for those that don't know? Okay, so I think around kind of like safety information, it depends what the risk is. Um, a, a good thing to maybe use this platform just to tell people about is that um, the LGBT Outside Project, which was the first um, homelessness shelter, has now also opened up a domestic violence shelter that is specifically for LGBT people. So if people are stuck at home in an environment that's abusive, and that doesn't have to be just physically abusive, that can be things such as people just kind of disrespecting you, threatening you with violence, um, psychological harm, 
all of those sorts of things. If someone needs to get out because of that, there are those things. And that is something that people can do is just share the information about that. Donate. A lot of um, LGBT organisations are reliant on um, grant money or stuff that they get from selling kind of like some maybe some products at Pride and donations like that. And because everyone's under a lot of financial stress, they are still really having to struggle and go out there and often the communities are needing to support they're needing more so for example if they're supporting sex workers who are lgbt sex workers are potentially not able to get the government grants around being self-employed people who are then seen as not eligible for that money so they're having to give out a lot more support on less money um and so i think just physically showing up and donating and if you can't donate sharing that that can really help people but I think also just talking about these issues, that can be a really good way to help other LGBT people is just speak about it. Um, open that conversation so that people can share. Check in on your friends who may be really struggling. Um, and there are lots of resources online around just trying to to, set, to take some time to centre yourself, to take some peace um, and to remember that this isn't going to last forever. Yes, we're in times where we don't know what the future holds, but that can also be a real big positive that things were way, very well before weren't working and it's not going to be the same world we go back to and that we have the chance to try and start making that. There are things that people can do, if you um, such as writing to your MPs, spreading the word about different organisations, volunteering. There's a lot of organisations now that are doing befriending um, um, by telephone or by email or by Zoom chat so that you could sign up to be a befriender and just talk to an isolated LGBT person um, once a week, once every other week and kind of show up in those ways. So I think everyone has their place somewhere in this movement for equality and for undoing harm and from preventing for further harm. And it's just looking at what can you offer as an individual? Where do you fit? and finding that way that works for you. For some people, that's getting out on the streets. For other people, it's doing much quieter things. All of those things are valid. Everyone has a role, and we can all co come together to sort this out. So I have a question on that. When we talk about sort of looking towards the future, where we're, we're heading, do you have any recommendations, things that you would love to see companies or staff as individuals doing to help prevent statistics of LGBT domestic violence from skyrocketing? Well, the first thing would definitely just start employing trans people. The way to be able to get out of violence is to be able to have your own monetary fund so that you can leave if you want to. The other thing is to be supporting organisations that are dealing with those things specifically, such as the LGBTQI outside project, such as Gallup, who have a special domestic violence, sexual violence and hate crime service. Start funding these things. Um, giving them money, giving resources, a mo giving some money for, to buy mobile phones or a mobile phone is much more helpful than any sort of training. The expertise is there. It's just about getting it out to people. And to also when you do campaigns, if you're doing a campaign or information around domestic violence in your organisation, make sure that it includes a diversity of things. Not all perpetrators are men. Not all victims are women. And it makes it really hard for people to be able to identify as what is domestic violence and or sexual violence or hate crime happening to them if it's something that's been normalized throughout all their life experiencing violence and also if in the media narratives of what this looks like they don't know so it's kind of difficult for them to be like oh what does this mean like my girlfriend says horrible things to me but 
she's my girlfriend, so it can't be domestic violence because women aren't perpetrators of domestic violence. I also think it's about giving money to um, organisations that provide community responses to this. Often, as an LGBT person, if you call the police around domestic violence, if you are two men in a relationship, the police will turn up and probably possibly arrest both of you. If you are two women in a relationship and there's domestic violence going on, you call the police. They're likely to say, let both of you go and just see it as an argument, which puts both of those are putting people at different risks. So it is about community responses that actually center the victim and help them. Um, and then being aware of that, but the answer isn't for our community of a lot of time to call the police because often that makes it worse. And often there is not much justice. So it's about finding other ways of helping those people, making sure they're safe, making sure they have the options to get out if they want to. And to also spread a message around not judging people if they choose to stay. There's a lot of things of, oh, why didn't you leave? People don't leave domestic violence because they have been abused for years and years and years, and not just by that, uh, that particular abuser. LGBT people grow up thinking, will I ever be loved? Will my family love me? Will I ever find love? And I think that's especially true for trans people. And then that makes them particularly vulnerable to someone saying, well, I'm the best you're ever going to get, so you better be grateful for this. And then get doing more and more harm that gradually builds up over time until it's really hard for that individual to see how bad it has gotten. And so I think it's understanding and accepting that and letting people heal in the way that they need to and letting it be led by the trans community to say what they need and listening to that and then providing. I was wondering what advice you had for businesses that have created a safe space for LGBT people and a safe space for women within that organisation, but actually are seeing a bit of a conflict between those two groups. Sometimes on social media, I see Twitter fights between the groups. And I was wondering, what's your stance on this, your take on how this aligns to feminism and what can people do to try and resolve this debate? So my view on that is that we don't actually, we don't need to create these spaces for this dialogue because actually this is a fake argument. It doesn't overly really exist. Feminists and LGBT, we've always been part of the same communities and there's this assumption that there's the feminists and then the LGBT people most lesbians are feminists, most um, trans women are feminists, um, most trans men as well are feminists, they strongly believe in these things and it is the same core issues that we're fighting around, right, for to not be defined by our bodies, that's saying whether trans women are not women because of them having their genitalia, or whether saying that, oh, what to be a cis woman means is to mean that you are basically a baby receptacle, that you are just there walking vagina on legs, it's, it's just not an argument that overly really exists and when we look at the people that are pushing these arguments that you can see that they are generally um kind of a very racist people they are people that are joining up with the right-wing american christians and getting all their money from there where they're campaigning against abortion they're campaigning against um a young muslim women being allowed to wear a hijab if they want to these are not feminists these are not people who are actually pro-women's rights um, and you can ask a lot of the big organisations like um, things like Fair Play for Women, ask them, what are your um, stances on female genital mutilation? What are your stances on abortion? What are your stances on this? What have you done for any of these other female centred causes? And they can't answer them because they only exist to actually try and take away the rights of a particular type of woman, which is trans women. And that is censoring cis, white, 
fem feminism saying that there is a particular way to be a woman. And if you do not fit into this very, very narrow and reductive definition, then you are not a woman and you are not worthy of our platform. LGBT people and feminist people have always been fighting together. So, for example, look at what started the Stonewall riots. Some people say that it was a black trans woman. Some people say that it was a bush, a butch um, um, cis woman um, who used he him pronouns towards the end of his life, um, but still identified as a woman and as lesbian. That was a coming together. And that is where our history has always been. Um, and I think that trying saying, oh, we need this dialogue. We need this dialogue. When the dialogue is, do you have a right to exist? Do you have a right to these places of safety? Trans women are women and they deserve to be allowed to access rape support. They be able to deserve to access domestic violence support. They deserve to be able to use the changing rooms the same as everyone else. Little trans girls should not be being made feel different at school and not allowed to change because there is the society sees her body as so disgusting that it is offensive to be seen by another person. The trauma that is going to cause and the mental ill health that is going to cause that young person because of the systematic abuse at, at school, at work, at, in the rest of her life. Trans spaces are feminist spaces and feminist spaces are trans spaces. And I think we just need to look at like some of the fantastic work that's been done by the people who are leading the feminist work, which is generally black women and they you listen to them and see what they've got to say and the major vast vast majority are trans inclusive and we cannot achieve liberation for all women until we really do mean all women and that means trans women that means intersex women that means black women and it means people who are all all of those and none of those we've got to allow those in and this is what i was saying earlier about you cannot just prioritize one struggle i know that i would love to hear from you a lot more but unfortunately we've uh, run out of time so um for those of us that do want to find you online hear what you've got to say further where can we find you you can find me on twitter um at k kivin so that's capital k a y e capital k i r r i n on twitter and that's the best place to find me online i'm so glad we have this platform to have this conversation it's been really informative. We've all got a lot of actions. I think that we, we need to take as individuals to stop making the situation worse. And I'm so grateful that you've come on, you've shared your expertise and the different experiences that you've had as an individual and professionally have made you a really invaluable guest on this topic. It's been fantastic. It's been moving. And thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been lovely speaking to you all. I've really enjoyed it. Find videos and articles about the series on the Yahoo Finance UK site. And if you've enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you have, please rate, review and subscribe to hear more. Coming up next week, we'll be speaking to Richard Cooper, founder of Footworks, about homelessness at this time of global crisis. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.